Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Roman. Roman is the straightforward way to take care of ED. Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and get $15 off your first month of treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. The SGPN app gives you easy access to all of our picks, podcasts, and it's the exclusive place to enter all of our contests, including our $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reeves. Indeed, we are back in once again on the only digital radio show that is devoted to those teams, those programs, maybe even those individuals that are less thought of, aren't given as much of a chance, trying to find a way to simply cover against the spread, if not outright win. It is Three Dog Thursday, and thank you for finding us wherever you have done so, whether that's a social media link, whether that is the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network fleet of programs, as I like to say, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, the website, et cetera, et cetera, promoting us. And make sure you are subscribed because you will get the new episodes whenever they're out for Thursdays, in particular on Three Dog Thursday, if you're subscribed. So go find us, go follow us, uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify are saying, don't say subscribe, say follow. Follow us on Apple and Spotify. Subscribe away wherever on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, et cetera. Three Dog Thursday comes automatically to you. You get the ding, you get the notification, you get the program coming to you. Straight ahead, Brian Edwards with me here in just a moment, senior handicapper, Vegas insider, majorwager.com, lots of NBA playoffs with him. Want to talk a little Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul, let the buyer beware off of pay-per-view, the exhibition fight in Miami this past weekend. Talk a little bit about that with him. I want to talk also in this show about the college football playoff. There's lots of discussion in and around about that. Uh, There is also, uh, obviously, I'm in Tampa Bay, so I'm interested in the hockey with the Tampa Bay Lightning at the time that we are rolling out. Three Dog Thursday are already in the Final Four, and they are awaiting uh, the New York Islanders or the Boston Bruins. You may know that final result as the Islanders lead that series to get in the Final Four. Montreal has also advanced to the Hockey Final Four to play either Vegas or Colorado on Three Dog Thursday as we're releasing the Vegas Golden Knights are back at home with a chance to get in to the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And again, they're not doing an East versus West. They're doing this by regular season record. And again, for all of the teams up until this point, as I talk a little hockey here on Three Dog Thursday, they've only been playing the same seven or eight teams within their division, including in the playoffs. So this is a real unknown when you talk about underdogs. For example, the Montreal Canadiens may be a real live dog here coming out of Canada, but they've only played the Canadian teams. And the Canadian government's now going to let them come to the U.S. and let the U.S. team come to Canada in a modified bubble to play them. We don't know how good Montreal is or is not compared to the rest of the NHL because they've only been playing Canada. But the same argument can be made that the Northeast teams like New York and Boston and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Washington, they were only playing each other. The Southern kind of base teams like Dallas and Carolina and Nashville and Florida and Tampa, they were only playing each other. The Western teams like Arizona and Colorado and Vegas and the LA Kings And the Anaheim, they've only been playing the West. So this is a real unknown for the hockey final four on what is it going to look like when they're playing somebody other than the teams. The best analogy is 
This is like the college football COVID 2020 season last year, where the SEC was only playing the SEC, where the ACC was only playing the ACC. And so you really didn't know how is Clemson or Notre Dame going to look or Alabama or Florida going to look once they venture out of having only played their own conference to go play in a college football playoff game or in a bowl game. Uh, no other real measure when those conferences said the SEC and the ACC were only playing each other. Kind of the same thing. Florida would have gone undefeated against the Listen to Brian Edwards. I haven't even formally introduced him, but Brian Edwards is saying he would have, they would have gone the Gators undefeated with the SEC schedule if that had been the case. The only thing that I'm saying here is I'm pumped for my Tampa Bay Lightning, but anybody, as we welcome in Brian Edwards, senior handicapper, Vegas insider, majorwager.com, anybody that tells you they know what's going to happen in the hockey final four, there's no way. It's bananas. They don't know what's going to happen right now. Uh, because they haven't been playing the rest of the NHL. And so we'll wait and see if the Lightning success or the Montreal success or whomever else is in there really translates to go win hockey's holy grail. The Lightning trying to go back-to-back. They would be the first team to do that since the Sidney Crosby-Pittsburgh Penguins about 10 years ago uh, went back-to-back. If they are able to do so, we will find out. All right, so all of that's out of the way. we got some hockey. we got some college football playoffs. Speaking of college football that I want to talk about with Brian, First and foremost, how are you? It is hot as blazes most everywhere, record temperatures everywhere, but the sports are heating up as well, my friend. Good to have you. How are you? I'm good. You know, uh, I was better when the Hawks were up 1-0, but 1-1 <laughs> going back to the ATL. Uh, that'll work. We, we got what we wanted. We got a W in Philly. And you were preaching last week on Three Dog Thursday, this is why people need to listen, to jump all over the Hawks if the Hawks could eliminate the Knicks, which we didn't know when we were taping last week if they could knock the Knicks out at MSG in Game 5. They did, and you said that would be big to get the Sixers at least in Game 1 without Joel Embiid and Bamo. That's exactly what the Hawks were able to do. Now, they played well regardless, but they took advantage of Embiid not being there well, and no, got no, the Game Embiid, 1 win. No, Embiid... Embiid was there. So he was there, but wasn't maybe as effective as you were. No, would have he was hoped. great. He's been fabulous. So in both I saw, well, I saw in game two yeah. he got 40, so I guess my narrative is no good. But still, you were all over the Hawks to at least get one of the games. You got to be somewhat happy that they got one of the games out of Philadelphia. Oh, consider, absolutely. Considering Embiid has not only played, but has been absolutely spectacular and shown no ill effects of this alleged partial uh, meniscus tear. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled. And, um, and really last night, you know, Atlanta Herter played good. Gallo played good and Trey played pretty good, but nobody, everybody else was, was off their game last night and uh, going back home. We'll talk about it more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Later on we will. And I, and I want to get a thought or two as well, because we discussed this kind of over the last couple of weeks, here we go again with, can you compare what happened in the Orlando bubble in the NBA playoffs in terms of home or away games versus the actual away game? And I I really believed in that Philadelphia setting, they fed off of that bonkers crowd in Philly in the fourth quarter to pull away. That's just something you can't, you, you, you can't expect that in a sterile environment for any of that to matter. It's just teams playing, guys playing and making plays, but there's no crowd that's on you. There's no crowd affecting the officiating, et cetera, et cetera. And the Sixers look like they did that. All right, so we got plenty of NBA to talk about. And again, only uh, the one game on the day that we are uh, doing this and on uh, Wednesday evening, only the one game on Wednesday night, the Western Conference Series with uh, Phoenix and Denver and game two. So Brian and I don't know that result. Game three will be on Friday night in the best of seven in uh, that scenario. So again, we don't know that result, but we do have a couple of games coming on Thursday that we want to talk about in a couple of moments. So I wet the appetite with a little NBA. I want to back up to last weekend. Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul, boxing exhibition. This was billed as an exhibition the entire time. We preached it on this show. We preached it on our our brother podcast, the Big Fight Weekend podcast, the boxing podcast that I host with Marquise Johns and our BigFightWeekend.com website over and over again, Brian. We kept saying there are no judges for this thing. The Florida Boxing Commission is not sanctioning it because of the weight disparity with Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. They're saying this is not a legit fight. This is not a licensed sanctioned fight here. This is an exhibition. 
So it should not be a surprise to anybody that was listening to those of us that were putting the facts out. They're not going to declare a winner when this is over. All right. So I'm saying that as a disclaimer, I don't know how much, if at all, you watched, you cared, you showed, you saw the highlights. There is some outrage at what went on, that they didn't declare a winner, that it was a farce, et cetera. Brian, what do you make of all of this with uh, with Mayweather returning to the ring for an exhibition as he did? Well, I think I said last week that I would never buy a, a Mayweather pay-per-view even when he was in his prime. I did go somewhere to watch the Conor McGregor fight um, against Mayweather, obviously. Um, I've never enjoyed a, a Floyd Mayweather fight ever once. Now, I know boxing uh, – savants hardcores love his defense and all that but the fact that anyone was surprised that it wasn't great is just dumb as rocks well and keep in mind he's 44 years old hadn't been in the and ring that. as you mentioned that in four years so he looked slower and lesser than even four years ago in that regard uh and logan paul had one previous fight even though he's bigger with a longer reach it, it, it made for kind of a boring first three rounds or so of the fight because Floyd was like, I can't get inside of a 6'3 guy, 6'2 guy with long arms here that's keeping me off of him that weighs 190 pounds when I weigh 155. Um, so the end result is you got a largely boring fight for a lot of it. I, I You know, uh, again, we're doing this in advance of taping our Big Fight Weekend podcast. I will repeat this, say it here, but repeat it on Big Fight Weekend. You get what you get here. You, you allowed the clowns, the YouTubers to come in. They are all about being circus performers, being con men for their following, for their money, for their attention. So you've got Logan Paul, you know, clowning around at the end of the fight about surviving eight rounds in an exhibition fight that they wanted to go eight rounds to at least not have people feel like they were totally ripped off. You have his brother outside the ring screaming and putting videos on social media about how Logan Paul is upset, Floyd Mayweather. And so there are a lot of people that are now outraged that the carnival atmosphere, the circus performers, the con men that are the Paul brothers that have worked and good for them that they worked their way into millions of dollars of opportunity to do this. But when the circus performers, Brian, have worked their way into it and have turned out to be con men and frauds, you cannot be surprised, right, that this is what you're no. getting. No, and you sure can't be mad. I mean, yeah, exactly. God love them. Go make a buck. But it is what it is. And I don't know that we'll see Mayweather anymore in any more exhibitions. And I don't know. Uh, how sustainable the polls are as boxers at this point. They'll go back to doing uh, blow up destruction stunts on YouTube to uh, get some more Instagram and, and uh, Twitter. What, what, what is their base that they attracted them to their following? What, what did I they just basically told you following? failed, failed actors who now do a bunch of circus performing dumb stunts, dumb stuff. They are where, young. Where their, their base fan base is eight to 15 year olds or what? It, it, a, a lot of it. A lot of it is young kids, young crowd, young whatever. And there is a large following there, but does it translate? Let me give you one more thing. We don't know what the number is right now, but with each passing hour, as we tape Three Dog Thursday on Wednesday, on Wednesday evening, with each passing hour that we don't know the pay-per-view number and don't know how many people bought it, then that tells me more and more it was a dud. And so the hope that Logan Paul was going to bring hundreds of thousands or maybe a million more new eyeballs in because of his fan base didn't happen. But we'll see. We'll see what the actual number is. Is it a million? Is it a million five? Is it 300,000? We don't those know. Those numbers to be trusted? Like, I don't know if the trailer sure. numbers are to be trusted. I agree with you on that. But the, the Showtime version of this going through satellite providers, cable providers, not just their app. Who knows? And there's respected boxing media that are digging around, and we don't know the number yet. What is the number? And the biggest thing is the Paul brothers and Showtime aren't bragging about the number, and Floyd Mayweather's not bragging about the number at the moment. Of course, Floyd's getting paid no matter what, uh, the bigger lion's share of the money. All right, so anyway, little boxing conversation, and more again on the plug on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, and uh, bigfightweekend.com is our website. We'll talk more about that mayweather paul circus and all the other boxing content and what you need all right so let's bring it back to the nba here's what we know the brooklyn nets even without 
James Harden in game two still took a two nothing lead on Milwaukee. So as three dog Thursday unveils on Thursday, they are back now in Milwaukee with a two nothing lead Brooklyn. What is your thought here? Can Milwaukee make this a series fundamentally? Can they get a game here and challenge the Nets? Or do you think this is foregone conclusion? Nets rolling on. Oh, man. Uh, it doesn't look good for Milwaukee. Budenholzer is not a very good coach. I mean, for, for them, I mean, I thought they had a shot even with Harden, just the way they dominated Miami. But um, – they, I didn't think they'd miss DiVincenzo as much as they are, but they are because uh, Bryn Forbes and Connaughton are having to get major minutes, and that's just not great. Uh, and nothing against Connaughton. He, he is what he is. He can shoot the three. He's a good athlete. But, I mean, he's not a starter in the NBA, certainly not in the playoffs at a high level uh, deep, in the, deep in the postseason. Um, I just don't know if there's any adjustments to be made. I mean, they can – you know, they can have a game where they shoot the lights out. But, I mean, right now, Kyrie and KD are dialed in and playing uh, extremely well. And, you know, Blake Griffin's playing really well right now. And, you know, this, like, third, fourth, you know, at his point in his career, if he can be just a third or fourth guy, he can play that very well if he's healthy. And, um I mean, I'm tempted. I mean, I'll be sick if Brooklyn wins game three because then it's just – it's going to be a quick, quick series. And, it's and over. It's over, right. obviously. But um, uh, I'm tempted to take Brooklyn plus three and a half or four in uh, in the next game tomorrow – or uh, Thursday night, excuse me. Correct. Well, yeah, and so uh, the, the Nets, again, getting three and a half points. So interesting to watch that. Uh, and – the, you know, the the joke uh, right now is they want a New York team to do well and the Knicks bowed out and now it may end up being the Brooklyn Nets that end up doing well in that Eastern Conference series. So let's see what happens on Thursday there. You are much more interested in the Utah Jazz L.A. Clippers game, which I, I don't know. You and I have watched the NBA for a while, not forever. When was the last time a team missed 20 shots in a row in a playoff game and won yeah, the game? yeah which Utah I think did. it was 21, if same I'm not one. mistaken. But, I mean, same difference. I mean, <laughs> exactly. And, right. and uh, you know, that's why I like the over again in uh, game two on Thursday night because uh, they hit the over last night. Um, well, let's see, 12, uh, 20, 21. It depends on what the line you have. You might have pushed or you might have, have won. Right. Uh, on the over last night, but that was with a, Utah going 21 shots in a row, and it still got to the number. And we've got um, we have the same same number tomorrow night, right? 221, yeah, 221. I like it over. Utah's not going to miss 21 shots again. They might get Mike Conley back, which will be a big help uh, as well. And um, I think the overs, the play here, and Donovan Mitchell last night was so spectacular, just absolutely um, – I'm speechless of how well he played. Derek Favors gave him a big lift off the bench, giving him some quality minutes, didn't have big stats, but, you know, had some rebounds, a couple big block shots, and was just a, a defensive factor while Gobert, while Gobert got some rest. And um, I like it over. Um, I don't like the underdog, but I – I mean, I don't like the underdog. <laughs> okay. One thing I wanted to ask of you, because we did not get a chance to talk about this last week because we didn't know how it was going to unfold. The Clippers ended up beating the Mavericks in a must-win situation in game six in Dallas with Kawhi Leonard going off. And then obviously on the weekend had to win the game seven with Dallas, which was a battle with Luca having a great game, Donchich. Uh, and and Kawhi Leonard stepped up big. Paul George was large in that as well. Uh, how much do we look at the Thursday night game and say, okay, the Clippers kind of ran out of gas, playing on 48 hours notice, having to travel to Salt Lake. Utah was sitting back the whole time, even though they were terrible in the first quarter, they were better rested. Now the Clippers stay in the same environment, get an extra day off, and the Clippers will be better in game two for that reason. Do you buy that for Thursday night, Brian Edwards? Yeah, I, 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 that, there's some credence in that notion for sure. Um, you know, have quick turnaround, and they're going to altitude. 
Um, and, you know, Marcus Morris was like one for nine from three. Paul George was, uh, what, like four for 18 or 19, yep. somewhere in there. Um, yeah, no, I, I – um, a lot of times on this show I'll say I don't like the underdog, but when I was saying it a minute ago, I was just saying – I was kind of trying to imply that I do give the Clippers a decent shot here in this game. But, I mean, going back, and I would have, I will have said this since late mid-late January – I'll take Utah minus three at home against anybody, anytime. Now, maybe with Conley out, if Conley's in, I would take Utah minus three against anybody at home, anytime. Um, and I'm probably going to stick with that. But, no, there's a chance the Clippers can get this one, no, no question. And Kawhi Leonard, I saw the stat, only the second player in the history of the NBA playoffs in a seven-game series – to shoot 60% or better and average 25 points or better in the seven-game series. Ever, ever, ever. I mean, go through the whole history of Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain era, move forward to Bird and Magic and Michael, move forward to Kobe and LeBron, throw in whoever else you want, Shaq, Oscar Robertson, uh, pick, pick players along the way in scores. Shaquille O'Neal is the only other player to do it. Seven game series, 60% or better from the floor, 25 or more per game for the seven full games. And I love the stat. I saw the advanced stat. The, the advanced stat showed that Shaq's average shot distance was like four and a half feet. And Kawhi Leonard's average shot distance was like 16.7 feet or something like that. That's pretty incredible. The shooting binge he was on against Dallas. Can he get a little recovered for the Thursday night game here for the Clippers in this game too. And can they sneak one of the two games before the weekend out of Salt Lake city? We're going to find out yeah. on Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. they can, but I, I Utah's going to win this series in my mind. I, I Donovan Mitchell is just so good. Unless Conley just is out for the series, which I don't, you know, I don't think we really have a good idea there. Um, I don't know if they – I was on the interstate for a few hours. I, I don't know if they put out any update today or Nothing anything. new at the time that we're taping. The audience, again, may know more about that as the game approaches. And, of course, this is a great plug. They need to lock into all of your Twitter information and MajorWager.com as Thursday unfolds. And we release the podcast here for more on whether Conley can play or not because that makes a huge difference, obviously, huge for them difference. if you can as a, as a veteran. Uh, for them. All right, Brian, tell you what, stand by. We're going to get to the Friday games in a little bit. I want to talk a little college football playoff with Brian too. Before we do that, Brett Norsworthy, my buddy from sports 56 WHBQ in Memphis. He's known as stats. Great uh, insight on everything in the South, everything in college football, but he's got some NBA knowledge. Uh, stats, by the way, is coming our way from St. Louis where he's going and watching St. Louis Cardinals baseball. I want to hear about that. Stats also saw the Utah Jazz back last week firsthand against the Memphis Grizzlies. I want some thoughts from him on that as well. So Brett Norsworthy coming up straight ahead as we continue along. Stay with us. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. You can find the best odds on the NBA championship and the Stanley Cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors like yourself. If you see a ticket you like but think the price is too high, submit a bid for the price you think is fair and then buy it. PropSwap is making it easy to profit off these playoffs by trading in and out of teams in the postseason as everything progresses. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time. Here's an example. Last week, PropSwap customer had a Montreal Canadian Stanley Cup future for $45 when the team was down 3-1 against Toronto. And the Maple Leafs, of course, blew the lead and lost in Game 7, and a few days later, the ticket flipped for $600. With Prop Swap. 
swap your bet doesn't have to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Think of it like the stock market, but for sports betting. Use our promo code SGP and your first deposit on PropSwap gets you up to $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com, download the PropSwap app, and remember our promo code SGP. All right, guys, nobody is perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. You can go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now. And with Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional works with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, and most importantly, it's discreet. Get started by simply going to GetRoman.com SGP, and you can complete an online visit there. Take care of ED without even leaving home. Complete an online visit today, connect with a doctor, get it taken care of. Go to GetRoman.com SGP and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of ED. It's GetRoman.com SGP. Get started now. Save $15 on your first month of treatment. GetRoman.com SGP. And guys and gals, it's out. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and the Google Play Store, and the app gives you easy access to all of the picks and podcasts from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of shows. Plus, the app is the exclusive way to enter all the SGPN contests, including the SGPN $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Download the app, hit the contest tab, and get a chance to take home $1,000 off the NBA Finals free roll. Don't forget to go in and leave an app review and make sure you download the SGPN app in the Google Play or the Apple Store today. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Yes, indeed. As promised, I have been looking forward to getting back in touch with my guy, Brett Norsworthy. Stats from the Wolo and Stats Afternoon Show. My dudes, Sports 56, WHBQ in Memphis, long-running afternoon hosts. Love the breakdown in the River City, as always, on Three Dog Thursday. However, Brett is, as always, agile, mobile, and hostile, and he has ventured north. Uh, to one of his favorite places, and that is not only the city of St. Louis, but the cathedral that is New Bush Stadium. Although, can we consider that the cathedral? It's the son of the cathedral. Uh, anyway, Bush Stadium, where you were in person, Stats. First of all, good to have you on Three Dog Thursday. I, I always love having you, and I want to cover many subjects with you. Good to have you back on the show. Thank you, TJ, and a lot going on in just about every sport right now. We have everything, including uh, tennis, we got golf with U.S. Open next week. We've got a lot going on. And, and T.J., it was so good to be back in Bush Stadium last night. I'll be back there tonight for the Cardinals two-gamer against Cleveland. Wasn't very successful last night. The Cardinals have a lot of injuries. But after missing last year, back in it, it took my all-time Bush Stadium record last night to 35 wins and 23 losses. But, it, <laughs> but in that two closeout World Series in 06 and 2011, and Tony LaRusso would always say that counts double. Yeah, it should count double. And so I was leading to that, that this was the first time you had been in person to a Cardinal game. Obviously, they did not have fans a year ago, and they've only begun to open up for this season recently with more fans. But this is the first time you've been in a year and a half. Was it kind of romantic to be back it among was, the fans? It was, it was very romantic, and I, I love it. TJ, to me, the essence of going to sport is when you clear through the aisle, through the concourse, and you get that first full visage of the stadium. You see the diamond. You see the grass. And last night, I, I practically was, was brought to tears. There's been two times in my sports attendance life that just at seeing that image, I literally broke down in tears. The first time I ever went to Augusta National, to the Masters, the, I came through that area kind of by the hospital, the, the hospitality and vending area and, and merchandise area. 
and you kind of come out right by side, number one fairway. I had it then, and I had it when I went to the Rose Bowl for Georgia and, and Oklahoma a few years ago, and I almost had it last night to be back. and couldn't come last year. Right now, they're, they're only at about 60%, but they're going full 100% next week, and it, it, it's time. The virus was very, very serious. I took it very serious from the outset of it. I took it very serious. But the virus is over. We need to take yes for an answer and move on with our lives and our sporting lives. And I'm, I'm echoing that because we've done things as safely as you could possibly do them for the longest time. The vaccine has now been available for about four months. And so I love the way that you put that rather than the why we shouldn't be, it should be more of why we should be. And, that, and, and I know that's what you mean. We should be doing these things. I mean, you you look at the atmospheres, plural. Uh, I know you were at the Cardinal game, but at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday and releasing on Thursday morning, you look at the atmosphere in Philadelphia last night for that 76ers-Hawks game, you cannot convince me that that did not will the Sixers to blow the Hawks away in the fourth quarter with the crowd behind them. Uh, you, you look, whether you're talking about baseball in a clutch situation, the NBA playoffs, the crowd and feeding off the crowd makes it's a time. difference. It does. It's, it's time. And, you, you saw it. You saw it at the PGA in, 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 at, at Kiowa. You, you saw that crowd on, on Sunday just practically pull Phil Mickelson across the victory line. And I don't want to editorialize. And I know there's been plenty of that from the sports world. And I don't do that. I keep it on hits, runs, and errors. I keep it on between the white lines. I keep it on sports. And I proudly do because I know it's the escape. It's the diversion. It's the release that we have to have to keep our ever-loving, ever-loving sanity during this time. But I am going to editorialize with this comment. I say now, if you are double-vaxxed, and you are still reticent to go out, then you, it is tantamount to admitting you don't think the vaccine works. It has a 95% efficacy. It works. Go out, live, and I'm going to. And if you want to be safe, you want to be safe and you want to wear a mask, by all means do so. If you want to wear two, all means do so. If you want to wear a Spelunker's helmet, wear one. <laughs> I'm not going to, and I'm going to live. Or one of those welder's helmets. I don't know that you ever did any welding. I did not. But we know what those welder's helmets are. If you want to wear one yes, of those and walk around like an alien or like one of those bad B-movies in the science fiction in the 60s and 70s, you can do that as well. As we talk with Brett Norsworthy, by the way, find him on social media at Brett Norsworthy, N-O-R-S-W-O-R-T-H-Y. Sports 56 WHBQ is the station. And he's on in the afternoon with my buddy Dave Woloshin, the voice of the Memphis Tiger Tigers. Wolo and stats have been icons in that market for 25 years practically doing sports and sports radio so i love the insight of brett and for these reasons too please share with the audience we, we are coming off the heels of the utah jazz uh and their win over the la clippers in game one as the top seed in the west and right where you are in memphis brett you experience seeing utah this is not john stockton carl malone utah this is Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and company Utah with Quinn Snyder as the coach. But you saw them against the Memphis Grizzlies. Give me a little bit on the Utah Jazz. Give me a little scouting report. You're so well-versed, and you saw them in game four of that series that Utah went on to win. Formidable backcourt. And it's not just Donovan Mitchell, but it's also Mike Conley. Now, he wasn't healthy in game one against the Clippers, but he, he was for the, the Memphis series and really exacted – revenge on his old beloved club and he's very beloved still in Memphis but TJ it's, it's kind of a throwback meets modern basketball it's very point guard post oriented with Rudy Gobert in the middle who was central to the the whole the whole last year in our lives with Rudy Gobert night on the night of the of, of the of the positive test that really kind of started the sports world with the virus but they have an old-school look. You're right. They're not stocked in alone, but they do play still a lot of high-pick-and-roll, and they're sure not Daryl Griffith and Adrian Dantley and, and sadly, the late, the, the late Mark Eaton, who, who just passed from, from Frank Layden's good Utah teams. But, TJ, I, I mentioned those throwback jazz teams. I, I, like, I like the makeup of this kind of elite eight in the NBA. It, it's either teams that have never won it or teams that have, it's been a long, long time for – for Philadelphia, it's been 1983. For the Bucs, it was back to 
Lou Alcindor in Milwaukee in 1971, and I don't think they're coming coming out of this. So we're going to have some really fresh names and teams. I know the first thing people are going to do is, you know, it, it might not be large market driven. If we have a, let's say, well, we have Philadelphia could be very, very easily could be in the finals, but maybe Atlanta, uh, maybe Utah, maybe Denver. I think that's good to kind of break that, that closed society, that secret handshake that's really been the NBA when it's only been about five or six teams win it over the last 40 years. Very true. And, and occasionally, I know what you mean. Occasionally, there's been a team like the Dallas Mavericks breakthrough where the Cavaliers obviously broke through for the first Cleveland Toronto. championship in 50 years or, or Toronto got it. So the NBA's had a little bit more, but primarily it's been Golden State a lot of the time or the Lakers a lot of the time. San Antonio. Uh, of course, the, yeah, San Antonio. The, the NBA wanted a New York, L.A., NBA finals. I'm not sure they want Brooklyn and the Clippers, but that, I mean, it could happen. Who it, knows? I, I take it. it could, the Clippers never have been in a Western conference finals, much less the NBA Amazing. finals and Brooklyn as New Jersey nets with Byron Scott is, as head coach. They, they have been to the finals. They've never won it. I would love it for, for those markets for, for, I'll say it, you know, kind of for little brother in those markets to do it. TJ, I love to see, that enthusiasm, and you got you got to enjoy it for the second time in Tampa, St. Pete, with the Buccaneers, the Kansas City Chiefs. The year before that, they got to enjoy it for the second time, dating back, you know, to Hank Schramm and Super Bowl Four. I like to see the never or it's been a long time teams get it because I've been here in St. Louis, and the Cardinals have won it a bunch. And I mentioned '06 and 2011. It's the best drug that's ever been made. Is that celebration when you know that you're going to have a title, you're going to have a championship, you're going to have a parade, you're going to go through the canyon of heroes in in, in New York City. I, I love it when new teams and new fan bases break through. Or in the case of the Buccaneers, you win the Super Bowl in February in your own stadium, which is surreal and bizarre enough. And then it's a boat parade down the Hillsborough River and through downtown Tampa with Tom Brady very famously now on the Internet and elsewhere, chucking the Lombardi trophy to another boat to his tight end, Cameron Brait. Uh, however, we need to get it done in 2021. That's what we're doing with it, and, and typical of Bray. He, he caught everything down the stretch. His hands were automatic down the stretch of the year for the Bucks. So I, I think we're in a really good spot in sports right now. We're back. It's only going to ramp up and only ramp up to what is definitely the, the two, the number one and two sports in the United States. Number one, the NFL untouched in a league of its own, right. but number two is college football, and we're steaming toward a big college football season. All right, perfect segue. A few moments left on Three Dog Thursday. I love talking most multiple sports, multifaceted with Brett Norsworthy. So they're kicking around expanding the college football playoff. We cannot make this clearer. You and I have banged this drum, have, have, have spoke through the megaphone as much as we possibly can. The playoff is going to be a four-team playoff for the remainder of the current contract. So for exactly. this football season, for next football season, I believe it's for 2023 also, be ready for a four-team playoff. They're not changing it. They want the screaming. They want the arguing. It fuels everything that happens at the end of the year. And, and they have the contracts. And they have contracts with ESPN uh, and, and uh, the other outlets. And, and, and so in any event, uh, they are kicking around the idea of expanding it at some point. All right? I have an opinion. I want yours first. If they expand beyond four, Wave the magic wand. What would you want to see if it's beyond four as little or as much as you want? What would you do? Well, I, I want to throw deep. I want more rather than less. I want 16, and I want to incorporate that in to the bowls, and bowls like one, one that's near and dear to me, like the AutoZone Liberty Bowl in Memphis, maybe have it in a rotational uh, uh, period where, where it gets one of those early games, maybe like three versus 14 or what whatever, and try to regionalize that. I want to inc incorporate it into the bowls, but I want to go more rather than less. I'm not going to get my way. I don't think it's going to be 16. I think it's going to be 12, and they're going to have buys. I, I, I know people are clamoring for stuff on campus that how much it puts fans out. It's very different than travel for NCAA men's basketball. You're only talking about even for the rabid fan bases, a Kentucky, a Kansas, a Duke, a North Carolina, those. We know who those are. They may take – Kentucky may take uh, 12 or 15 to that first weekend and to the second weekend, then may take 18 to 20 to the final four. But college football, like Alabama and Georgia and, and 
all those. We we know those those names too. Ohio State, of course, they they they're used to taking thirty five or forty thousand bowls. So they are clamoring for something on campus. I want to incorporate the bowls, even if we have to do this, TJ. When you when you rotate those bowls, I mentioned Autos on Liberty Bowl. You may have to have the, un, the unbelievable, an Autos on Liberty Bowl, a Gator Bowl. You may have to have that on campus. That game may be played in Athens that year, and then the next year back to its traditional city and and, and site. But I, I think we I think we need to really be broad minded in this and really think and not just pigeonhole stuff where we can we can grow it. But I want sixteen. I want I want uh, the power the power six conferences. The American Athletic Conference accommodated it has earned it. I don't know that those other conferences should necessarily get an automatic. But how about play in games? We have play in games for the NCAA men's basketball tournament. I know basketball and football quite different. And, and how it's played and, and, and the, the, the ferocity of it and the injuries that come from it, but maybe even have a play-in game between the Mountain West and, and, and CUSA for a spot or, or the, you know, incorporate the Sun Belt maybe in a play-in game. I think we really need to be bold and imaginative in our thinking, and I think they will be, but you're right. Nothing's going to happen until this contract is completely settled. And again, they love the arguing and the screaming with four. I know what you're saying with 16. You and I don't disagree often. I disagree with 16 being too much because uh, 16 dilutes the end of the regular season so much. And we'd and, have some blowouts. And then it would it would bring in so many variables because instead of having to win two games to win it, you got to win four games to win it uh, with the upsets. If it were up to me, uh, first of all, bad idea. Let me emphasize more horrific idea to have automatic qualifiers from conferences. If you're only going to have six teams or eight teams, you can't do that with automatic qualifiers and make that a stipulation because you're going to end up having somebody from the Pac-12 in specific or maybe even the Big Ten or the Big 12. Not so much. The I know we're biased. The SEC is not going to have a three loss champion. The ACC is more than likely not going to have a three-loss champion, but you could have a three-loss champion in the Pac-12. You could have a three-loss champion also in the Big Ten. It might happen, not usually with Ohio State. The automatic qualifier thing, uh-uh. It needs to be, and, and I love this about the way that college football playoff went about this, the college football playoff went about this back seven or eight years ago, where they said, we're taking the top four teams, and we're not restricting it to uh, only one representative from each conference. We're just taking the somebody would be left out. Right. We are taking the four best teams that we believe that it is. So even if you were to go to eight, I, I don't believe you, you put in automatic qualifiers. Are you on board with me on that? You can't, but you can't put in, you cannot, you cannot put in automatic qualifiers for conferences. It needs to be whoever the best are therein. Yeah. I, 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 I want some, I want some designated conference champions but I also want some wiggle room for at-large teams where we have the best teams involved. But I do think the American Athletic Conference has earned, and certainly in, in, in an expansion playoff format, I don't see how you could have left those Central Florida teams out or even Cincinnati from last year. But it's going to be a big discussion. I, I'm saying 16 because I'd really, I really – I want to end the clamor. We already know what the blowouts look like in one versus four and two versus three. People are going to have to see that to understand it. And I, I even think the team that's getting blown out is okay by it. We were in the playoffs. That's true, too. I believe, ultimately, and I'm going to talk more with Brian Edwards about this when he rejoins the podcast in a couple moments because he's a big college football guy. I believe six is the right number and let the top two teams have the bye into the semifinals and let three play six and pl four play five on the field you're earning it more on the field, on you're winning a playoff our, game. Our you can even do it on campus, like you're talking about, Brett, and then slot into your college football playoff rotation. I don't know what they're going to ultimately do, but if you were asking me to wave the magic wand, I'd go with six and with two buys and open up two more spots. It doesn't destroy as much of the regular season. I'm going to say this until I am purple for the next few years. Whenever I'm on with you, you're on with me. Whenever we're on talking college football with anybody else, you destroy the end of the regular season. It doesn't mean anything at the end of the regular season if the top eight or ten teams know we're in somewhere playing somebody. 
which which will be the case every year. The top, I know you didn't say this, but I'm just saying in general, if the top eight or 10 teams know we're in, we're playing somebody, it doesn't matter that you lose your rivalry game. It doesn't matter that you lose your conference championship. Should we even keep conference championship games? And that's another debate. That's another debate. Does it matter? And it's not the, it's not the, the battle. It's not the, the, the moneymaker that it used to be when, when Roy Kramer, and Charles Bloom, then in the SEC office, found the language to start the SEC championship game, much to the chagrin of the NCAA. They found the language when they expanded to divisions to, to start that in 92. That was a big moneymaker for the SEC. Now it, it's not as much as it was. Now it's still a, a very anticipated weekend and talking about losing the luster of the game. Th- think about if we'd had that last year, that Florida-Alabama game would not have had the gravity that it had. Of course, because they both would have been in. That's the point. The uh, The drama earlier in the day of Ohio State could lose to Northwestern, and I got to work that game. I got the privilege of working that game on national radio with Tiki Barber. Ohio State would have been in in a 16-team playoff whether they lost to Northwestern or not. That's the whole point on whether you keep the championship games. I do know this. This man has given me a bunch of time uh, hanging out in St. Louis about as we're taping to go to another Cardinals game at Bush Stadium on Wednesday. So the fans already know that result if they're listening to us on Three Dog Thursday, uh, et cetera. Have fun in St. Louis. I look forward to being back on the radio with you in Memphis with Wolo when you're back from that little brief hiatus that you're on right now to go experience baseball. I'm thrilled for you that you're getting to do that. I did joke when you put it on social media that you got a taste of being around people and the fans and et cetera when you came to the great state of Florida in January for the Ole Miss Bowl game. And so we were were much more open as the state of Florida Florida. even in January. Right. And Florida was right. Florida was proved to be right. And, and, and Florida was really the leader in this. Thank you, Florida. And that was great to be at the Outback Bowl. And I can't wait to get back one year when it, when we get the real Outback Bowl experience. And Mr. McKay with that bowl said, you know, you wait till you see it. You, you see our bowl and it's real form. It was great in the limited form this year. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with all of that. Much love to Brett Norsworthy. All right, go have Thank fun you, with Jeff. all of this. Uh, keep it. rooting on extensively. Uh, and by extension, my Champa Bay Lightning, as you're doing for the Stanley Cup playoffs. We got the NBA playoffs. Brett's checking out a little baseball. U.S. Open golf coming uh, next week. Do I sneak an early pick from you on Three Dog Thursday or an early lean? Give me a dark horse. Give me somebody. No dark horse to it. Jordan Spieth and a walk. Jordan Spieth wins at Torrey Pines in San Diego coming in 10 days. Will be very interesting. John Rahm. John, what do we make of John Rahm? We don't have another 10 minutes to talk about that whole situation. But does he come off of quarantine? Brett, does he come off of quarantine at a course where he's won before, guns ablaze and motivated? I don't know. Stay tuned. Good player. Brett Norsworthy, we thank you. Uh, Again, Wolo and Stats, Afternoon Sports 56 WHBQ. Follow Brett again if you're only hearing us at Brett Norsworthy on Twitter. Stats, thank you, brother. Thank you, TJ. We do roll along. And one more time, Brian Edwards back with me from MajorWager.com, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com. You get all of his picks on Vegas Insider. And again, keep up with his social media at VegasBEdwards for all the latest on the NBA injuries, the updates, the trends, et cetera. Before we get into the NBA action for Friday night and the weekend, Brian Edwards, as I call you back in, Brett Norsworthy, Stats and I were just talking about the college football playoff and the potential expansion years down the road it's not going to be for 2021 it's not going to be for 2022 this is years down the road when the new tv deal comes up all right same way i posed it to him if you could wave the magic wand if we're going to increase beyond four teams what would be your format what would be your ideal playoff right now with how many teams how would you do it what would you choose to do because you didn't hear brett's opinion you didn't hear my take so this is fresh for you. I want your take. If you wanted more, and maybe you only want four teams moving forward, but if you want more than four, what would you do and how would you do it? Brian Edwards. Uh, I would do eight teams with the first uh, four games uh, all played in the same city, like a, a Final Four uh, format where, you know, you could play them uh, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and have all uh, eight fan bases in the same city. Uh, it'd be a big party. It would be just awesome. It would become better than the final four, better than the, what the playoff is now. You know, four games in four days, eight fan bases, one city. 
And then uh, the next week you go play uh, two games in the same city. Or, or, or I don't know if you want to, if you're tying in the bowls or, or whatever. I don't know if that'll be a part of it or what. But um, one thing Brett was suggesting was utilization of home sites. You don't want that. You want like a neutral situation. Go play in Atlanta, go play in an Indianapolis or a Dallas. Uh, where you could have climate control, obviously, in December or January with an inside stadium, go play in Phoenix with an inside stadium, and go play right. them all day. I, I, I could see his point there with per, perhaps, you know, some finances and the travel and all that. You know, you, you know, a fan, you don't want parents having to travel three weekends in a row to three cities across the country maybe. But I, I definitely have always said this, that, that they need to have a, a one-city thing like the Final Four. Maybe you just do that the next week, have two games – uh, in one city and four fan bases, uh, and maybe do the home home sites for uh, the the first the quarterfinals. And so one of my things that I said, and I want your reaction to this one more time, and then we're going to move on to the Friday night action in the NBA. Brian's got some more handicapping for underdog purposes, maybe Hawks Sixers game three coming up on uh, on Friday night uh, for this after the split in Philadelphia. Uh, what my what my fear is don't destroy the end of the regular season and so there's two prongs I want to lay this to you and I want your reaction to it because you didn't hear what I was saying in the last segment the first thing is we cannot have an automatic qualifier from all the power five and even added on as Brett was saying with the American conference as a power six you can't have the automatic qualifiers because you're going to end up with a team with three losses being the same as two or three teams that are undefeated so I'm opposed to that if we expand beyond four teams. I liked better the idea of reward the top two teams and give them a bye. You want to expand the playoff, expand it by two. Let three play six. Let play four play five. You could do that in bowl games if you wanted. You could do it at home sites if you wanted. I don't want to go beyond six because I just fear you're going to destroy the end of the regular season where the last regular season game, where the in-state rivalry game may be an Alabama-Auburn game, a Georgia-Georgia Tech game, on and on, a Michigan-Ohio State or whatever, doesn't mean nearly as much if you have eight, much less 16 teams. The teams at the top all know they're getting in. It doesn't matter as much. And certainly the conference championship games. Brett's point was, in a 16 or an 18, Florida and Alabama would have both known in that SEC title game last year we're both in and so if that is the case they would maybe relax a little bit and not play their best players and not go all out because hey the bigger thing is the playoffs so my concern yeah, would be beyond six you're destroying the regular season your reaction to all that please brian well but like they would it would affect their seating though whether they went or lost the game in atlanta right sure but if you're okay. letting all eight in and let's say let's, let's say it's an eight. You're playing that first weekend. It's just a matter of who you're playing, right, and where you're playing them. Right. For Florida, um, they knew for the playoff, we've got to beat Alabama. And for Ohio right. State, they knew, again, in the game, I'm making reference, Tiki Barber and I did the game, uh, the bizarre COVID Big Ten championship game in front of almost no one in an empty Lucas Oil Stadium, Northwestern beating them at halftime. Ohio State knew full well, we don't win this game. We're all the way out. So that yeah. would be my concern with eight or 16 teams. Anyway, continue. Your and, and is another concern just too many games overall? Because you can shorten the regular season from 12 to 11, and Florida and Alabama don't have to, you know, host an F. Well, they need to get rid of the, the hosting the non-D1 uh, or non-FBS schools anyway. And I think they're right. heading toward that. But – um you could have one less regular season game. Now, I don't know if that takes away from revenue. If you if you have less one less home game, sure. I, I'm not sure. But I mean, there's all kind of ways that you could do it, and there's pros and cons to all of them. But I, I want them to expand at least a little bit. I, I'm not opposed to just doing it for six, but uh, I prefer eight. I understand on that, and you make a great point. Look, the the power schools in the SEC in particular they are not going to give up a home game that's worth millions plural to them when in the ACC yes and in the ACC and in the Big 10 and with the exception like of Norman Oklahoma Austin Texas with the exception of Columbus Ohio Ann Arbor Michigan maybe maybe Madison Wisconsin you know the ACC it's about 3 or 4 of the programs where it's millions of dollars for every home game no matter who the opponent is it's not the same thing. When you look at Alabama or Georgia or Auburn 
or LSU or Texas A&M and you say we're taking away a game, we're taking away a home game, they're going to say you're taking away three or four or five million dollars from us off of that. That's the money that we make and the town makes like you're talking about uh, off of this or at the University of Florida, et cetera. So or Clemson or Columbus, I get that or or Norman, Oklahoma. So you got to take that into account if you were to shorten the schedule. We'll see what they come up with. We know that the sentiment is there to expand somehow, some way. I just continue to plead, and I think I will be borne out on this. They love the screaming at the end of the year on who's being left out. It fuels the end of the season. You take that away, the greater you make the playoff. And, and by the way, for everybody saying that, well, you know, the NFL allows all the division winners in and has these long play. Yeah, but the NFL plays an equitable schedule and they're paid professionals who are doing this all year long and they're doing it with the same team sometimes for six, eight, ten years where you know all the players and all the players on the same team. It's not the same thing as what college football is. We're trying to do a 16-team playoff like what Brett was suggesting. All right, any final thought on that? I gave you a little bit more on the bone there. Any final thought? But they will expand it probably at the at the next contract beyond four. We do know that, Brian. Yeah, no, I, um, I the sooner the better. Uh, I'm all for it. All right, we'll find out on the college football. The sooner the better involves the NBA basketball. We talked about the Thursday games earlier. Let's get to the Friday games as we head to the, to the weekend here. The Sixers and Hawks taking – uh, three nights off at the time that we're taping this and not playing until Friday in game three in Atlanta where the Hawks have been fantastic. And the Hawks right now as we're taping are an underdog in Friday night's game. What kind of chance do you give them in a game three Friday night as the doggy back at the State Farm Arena where they've been so good? Give me the numbers and the, and the figures behind that. Yeah, so um, I give them a great chance. They've won 13 in a row at home, uh, going 11 and two against the spread. And you go back further, uh, they are 21 and two straight up and 19 and four against the spread in their last 23 uh, at home. The, the Hawks did get some bad news today, uh, which is actually not very surprising when DeAndre Hunter, you know, played the entire Knicks series and then just all of a sudden was a late scratch game one and then couldn't go again. In game two, you knew something was up, and the word comes down uh, about an hour ago, uh, late Wednesday afternoon, that um, an MRI taken before game one revealed a small tear of the lateral meniscus, and he will undergo uh, season-ending surgery. Now, they didn't have him in game one, and things went swimmingly, uh, but Doc Rivers had Danny Green uh, defending Trey Young uh, in game one, and like the first six minutes of the game, Trey had – uh, I think it was 14 points, six assists, two steals, and no turnovers because he was lighting <laughs> Danny Green up and getting anywhere he wanted to in the lane uh, every possession pretty much. But um, they, they switched to Ben Simmons on him uh, last night. And uh, when Simmons wasn't on him, uh, it was the young kid, uh, Matisse Thibel, uh, was very athletic, uh, wing, 6'5". Uh, so they've got some size on Trey. Now, Trey didn't play bad last night. Uh, not by any means. Uh, he had 21 points and 11 assists, but he certainly wasn't as uh, efficient um, uh, from the field. He, he, uh, he didn't shoot it as well, 6 of 16, and he kind of rushed a couple of threes because he was so accustomed to um, Simmons in his face. And so when he had some, some vision to the rim, he, you know, he wanted to get it off and uh, kind of rushed a couple – so there, that was a good adjustment Rivers made. It actually took him a little too long to do it, but uh, we'll take it. We got the game one victory. Like I said earlier, Herter played well. Gallinari played well. Uh, 41 points between those two off the bench. But then outside of Trey, nobody really played well. Collins did not play well. Um, uh, Lou Williams played okay. But well, uh, now, look, they were clobbering him. If I can share this, you know, this they were clobbering him with the bench points. And then suddenly Philadelphia found shake Milton. They, they got their shake, shake on with shake Milton bombing in the three pointers. And I got to, I got to come back at you because I said this to you a couple of weeks ago, you really cannot compare what happened in the bubble playoff games with no crowd, no environment, no travel, no airplanes, no new hotel or whatever. Shake Milton went nuts in that fourth period, bombing the threes. You know this, Brian, and the fans that watched this. He was feeding off that Philly crowd, which, again, it was great to see. We were talking about this with Brett Norsworthy, saying that I'm at Bush Stadium with the Cardinal fans going crazy. It's great to see this around the baseball regular season, the hockey playoffs, the NBA playoffs. 
But here's the thing. As we come into Friday night, do we honestly expect that Shake Milton's going to step back out there at the State Farm Arena and do anything? And the Hawk fans are going to be going nuts for anything Atlanta does. And Philly's now got to face that. And that's my point, my friend. Yeah. 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 And uh, no, I don't think Shake Milton uh, is going to do that. And I don't know why Nate, look, he did this in game two against the Knicks. And I forget if I criticized him here on this show. Uh, He left Trey out too long. I mean, with the early fourth quarter rest and a way to remedy that is to intentionally foul Ben Simmons, which, you know, it doesn't have to be the amount of clock that gets eaten up. Trey just needs to sit over there and catch his breath for 10 minutes and you can eat clock. I mean, or not eat clock. You can prevent the clock from moving. You can buy extra possessions and get Trey rested by fouling Ben Simmons, who is now, 13 of 40 from the free throw line Mm. in the playoffs, 32.5%. He's all in his free throw feelings. And last night he was 0 for 2 from the line, but we never intentionally fouled him. And and Nate waited. Milton made that shot at the buzzer at the end of third, uh, took a lead from 4 to 7. And then with Trey sitting down, it ballooned to – he even called a timeout when it got to 13 – and he didn't come back with Trey right then, which was just mind-boggling. And, look, yep. I love Nate. He's done nothing wrong since he took the job except for game two leaving Trey out too long and game two last night leaving Trey out too long. And uh, the game two in the Knicks, they rallied back and tied it just like that when he came back in. No such luck last night, but he didn't come back in until we're down 19. I hear you. Voice of Brian Edwards. Again, you find him at Vegas B. Edwards on uh, social media, and he's referencing the Tuesday night Atlanta-Philadelphia game at the time that we are taping. Again, we're pointing towards the Friday night, and you already have shared with us you really like the Hawks in this situation as the underdog for Three Dog Thursday purposes in that Friday night spot. Again, keep it locked in to Brian's social media, to majorwager.com for more on the injury information and the trends on that game. The other Friday night game is the late game with Denver going back home. Again, you and I at a disadvantage. We don't know what happened in game two, obviously Wednesday night at the time that we're taping. Are the Suns up 2 nothing? Did Denver get the split? We do know that Jokic, Nikola Jokic, is the most valuable player for the regular season. The NBA named him as such. They're going to give him the award at the Friday night game in Denver. But they, again, they could Did get the split. Did I mention Barton's back tonight or Wednesday yes. night? So Barton is supposed to be back for the Wednesday night game. That may make an effect for Wednesday night. We don't know the result. But these Phoenix Suns, they uh, they obviously are, are looking to take a commanding lead and head to the Mile High City. But here again, you got to get on the plane, go deal with the altitude, like we were talking about with the Clippers, having to deal with the altitude and deal with the Jazz earlier in the show. Phoenix is going to have to do that coming up here in this series Friday night, whether they're up two nothing or not. Correct. Yeah, um, I'm on the sidelines for the Wednesday night game, which our listeners will hear. You know, it doesn't matter that I'm on the sidelines, but I I don't want anything to do with the game. But Barton may give them a lift. He averaged 12.7 points, four rebounds, 3.2 assists per game. And, look, Monty Morris was uh, great for uh, Denver in the Portland series, but Portland's defense was just garbage. And, you know, Morris went one for ten in game one. He's got to give them more offense like he did in the Portland series. And and Barton could help. But Barton's been out for, you know, more than a month. Well, maybe even closer to two months. So, uh, where, where he is conditioning wise and whatnot, it remains to be seen and playoff intensity. Uh, you know, it's been a hamstring, so he can't be in the greatest of uh, cardio shape wise. Well, and we will see what happens uh, here in the scenario. I will say this again, the audience may know this, Brian, but just one more time on three dog Thursday for the Vegas golden Knights, they can clinch into the final four in hockey on Thursday night, three dog Thursday, against the avalanche the avalanche are the top seed right now remaining in the playoffs and they would be eliminated if colorado wins that game get a load of what we're going to have this weekend in denver by the way friday night for sure is game three against the suns don't know if it's oh two or one one the saturday night would be game seven in the middle avalanche and knights in the same arena in Denver, followed by game four, what happens next? Nuggets, Suns. That's quite a weekend in the Mile High City if it plays out that way. Of course, you may know that Vegas already knocked Colorado out and got to the Final Four, but if the Avs win in the desert, 
They come back home with that scenario. Oh, to be on the secondary market scalping tickets for that weekend at uh, at Denver and for those three games that are coming up this weekend. All right, so there you go. There is uh, some of Brian's insight. Give them all of your information again on how they find you and find out more. I uh, hear about the great information that you have, NBA playoffs and more. Go real quick. Yeah, my Twitter is uh, at Vegas B. Edwards. You can find my content at Major Wager uh, or MajorWager.com and the uh, Twitter address is at Major Wager Uno. And I like Nate Diaz plus 450 against Leon Edwards, uh, UFC 263, the first uh, non-main or co-main event that's a five-rounder. They're doing it just because Nate Diaz is the man. And uh, he's facing Leon Edwards, who uh, – it's good, eight-fight winning streak, but he hasn't really faced anybody outside of uh, Cowboy and RDA, and uh, Nate's beaten Cowboy. He did lose to RDA, uh, and Nate, 11 of his last 13 fights have been against guys that have been champions or have fought for the title, and uh, Edwards has only faced three guys of that ilk in his career. I think Nate gets it done, plus 450 underdog. And that is in Phoenix, correct? The pay-per-view. So speaking of the Suns playing earlier in the week on the Wednesday night for the home game that we don't know the result of, then they go to Denver. And now you have the UFC pay-per-view this weekend too. Again, Brian's got the underdogs going left, right, and down the middle. He wants his Atlanta Hawks to take command against the Sixers. Let's see if they can do that uh, for the series this weekend. Brian, thank you. I appreciate it. Good luck. With all the picks and the underdogs, we'll be locked in on your social media and MajorWager.com as well. I thank you for the time here once more in a June setting on Three Dog Thursday. Thank you. See you, buddy. All right. There is Brian Edwards. My thanks also to Brett Norsworthy hanging out with me from our uh, friends at Sports 56 WHBQ in Memphis. Wolo and Stats is the afternoon show where you find them weekdays afternoons uh, in the three uh, central time hour. Uh, on that show five days a week. So Brett had some great insight on the college football, on the Cardinals with the baseball, the NBA playoffs, and much more. One more plug and reminder, we're affiliated with the Sports Gambling Podcast, Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows. However you found this show, social media link through them on sportsgamblingpodcast.com, et cetera. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast uh, or follow it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, follow it as well on Google, on Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, and it will come automatically to you on Thursdays. We're all about the underdogs. We're rocking all the way through June in the NBA and the NHL playoffs as they go on. I am merely TJ Reeves for my man Brian Edwards, for my man Stats Norsworthy. We're done for now. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll see you next week right back here for the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Bye.